0: We are we're looking at tonight overcoming some barriers. Here's what I here's how I want to start. We never seem to have time to get to the discussion questions and to the formal response. I want to start with the two discussion questions tonight, and then I have one person I just asked to share a word of testimony because of this. And I'm just gonna put this up here. This is where we'll start tonight because this is to me. The bread and butter of all 12 weeks we're going through is the heart of what Paul said to the Colossian church. So that being said, can do two things with me? Um, I'm going to do the even verses. You do the odd verses. This will help get our blood flowing a little bit, thinking through where we're going. And as soon as we're done with this, I'm going to ask somebody to share something. Nice to see you. Hi, how are you? Yeah.
1: You well? <laughs> <laughs> yes.
0: you. All right. So if you just say these verses with me, again, I want these to resonate in our mind and heart because really uh, what somebody shared with me last week, a day or so after class, was exactly what we've been looking at, praying about, thinking about. So you hit verses 3 and 5, I'll do 2, 4, and 6. Continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. At the same time, pray also for us, that God may open to us the door for the word, to that I may make it clear which is how I ought to speak outsiders. The best use of the time. let your speech always be gracious seasoned with salt so that you may know how you ought to answer each person there is so much packed into those few verses that really needs to be unpacked, revisited, thought through, revisited over and over in our minds and our lives. Because if we do that, just with these verses alone, that begins to transform how we view life on a daily basis. That being said, can I just segue to our brief conversation and tell me what you tell us what you shared with me the other day after our class? Well, okay. First off, anyway, I'm.
2: Horrible at this. So, um, if God can use me to do this, He can use anybody. But I, um, the other day, I was feeling very convicted about everything we've been learning, which is being around unbelievers. I, I stay at home with my daughter, so I really don't see many people at all. You like Phil, there could be, but um, it's not an excuse. Like this is saying, and I wasn't making opportunities, so um, I just decided um, the Lord that it would maybe be a good idea to maybe find an area that I would be putting myself in a situation out of my comfort zone where I would maybe encounter um, unbelievers. So I decided, I still haven't gotten kind of a library card since we moved up here, so I was like, okay, maybe I'll do a library class, and I can run into people, and it'll be consistent every week. And um, the consistency would hopefully get me meeting people, like the same people who would be so So I go to this one library, and they didn't, <laughs> It's complicated, but I wasn't zoned for it, so I was like, "Well, I'll just stay here, anyways, and check it out with Cora." And in walks this woman with her son, and she just spilled life, like for 40 minutes or something. And um, kind of like what the book said, you know, in my mind, I'm like, "I haven't even gotten my card. I'm not even out of class. Like, this wasn't supposed to happen so soon, which was so wrong. I feel rebuked for that." But, um, anyways, this woman just shared, and I I didn't even really have to. Or anything. She asked me one, thi- one thing, which was where I went to high school. So I said, Inner City Baptist. And then that opened the door. I didn't say anything. She just said, Oh, I grew up Baptist. My dad taught Sunday school. And on and on she went. And by the end, she gave me her phone number. So she shared everything. I know it won't always work that way, but it was just interesting because, like the book said, a lot of people have a spiritual background and they want to share and they want to talk about it. And oftentimes it's us that we're like, Well, we want we don't want to offend them, and I know it's not like this every time. This was just—it was just the Lord. And um, so anyway, she gave me her phone number, and we've been able to text back and forth. And today was the first library class, and she couldn't go for a valid reason, but she responded back to my text, which she, she didn't totally blow me off, which I was like, well, she may not respond, that's like, okay. But so we'll see. She may not even come, but um, I just felt. So encouraged, but also rebuked too, because how much time have I wasted just being fearful of perhaps rejection or failing or not having the right words? But really, all a lot of times it starts with is people just who need a friend and who maybe need to talk or who are feeling lonely. And it can be in any circumstance, even if you're just a stay-at-home mom, home a lot of the day. There's opportunities out there, so. If I could do this, if God could use me, because I feel like I'm probably the worst at this,
0: so it needs this. Yeah, and and really, when she shared with me the day after, because it just happened the day after her class last week, it was just a fitting reminder of what we've been saying, and that is, um, from the very beginning of this class, it's not been about a system, about a plan, about how to do it the right way or anything like that. It is really in large part being alert to and willing to respond to opportunities wherever God has put us the problem is usually where God has put us we either get in such a routine with that that we don't even think about the people around us or we get so busy with that we don't have time for the people around us and we're going to talk about some of those barriers but you know I I hope that and my goal with this class has not been to fill our minds with lots of stuff so we're more educated but still doing the status quo. If status quo doesn't change, then we've wasted 12 weeks. If status quo does change, and that doesn't mean that we're all out running from house to house and neighbor to neighbor and everything else, but at least we're taking a step. And the step is being aware of my neighbors, being aware of the people in my life, and praying for those folks, and then looking for opportunities. And for Jamie to just walk through the door, and this lady, and again, it's like what it illustrated when she shared with me, it illustrated what it just said in a lesson, that sometimes the bridge, that is the gap, the bridge can be struggles, difficulties, and people just go, here it is. And and the reality is, uh, I remember the days of my wife with the little ones at home, and you know, Larry, Moe, and Curly, when they were five, three, and one back in the day, I can remember, you know, you get this time of year, it is cabin fever you want out of the house. So sometimes that's just sanity, but in those getting sanity, God may use that door. So all of us are in different places for a particular reason for God to use us. The question is, are we overcoming some barriers? And the barriers, I I just go to these questions. Let me jump ahead to this jump ahead of this, and then we're going to have just a quick word of prayer, because we did not do that, and just ask God to use us, but here's the, what am I doing, I hope if I did this, okay. helps flip up my glasses on so I can see what I'm doing, okay, Let's have a word of prayer and ask God to help us with what we are catching tonight and what we've caught in the past to help us to take those steps. Father, we thank you for your grace to us. Uh, Somebody uh, was willing to take time for us, time with us. Somebody was willing to be that witness. uh, No matter how faltering or how how, uh, persuasive they were, it really wasn't them at the end of the day. It was you and your grace granting us faith to believe the truth of Jesus Christ. So Lord, help us to continue to see, yes, there are barriers, and some of the barriers aren't simply Satan and his forces that are trying to keep people from the truth, that we know for certain, but sometimes the barriers are us, uh, us not uh, taking the steps, the practical steps, as well as the spiritual steps of obedience to overcome them. Give us wisdom tonight as we explore this, and then give us a heart to respond in where we need to respond. All right, so here's the questions, and this is just, I I, I start with this because this is basic, and it's going to hit what's already in the overview paragraphs, so you're on page 5.1, I think it is, 5.1, but here's the simple questions, and you can just blurt them out, all right? This is just blurt them out. It's not like raise your hand kind of thing. Just blurt them out. Why are many believers afraid of sharing their faith? What causes people to be afraid? And really, number one and two, both the questions to me sound like the same thing, just sound like one was a longer version of two or two was a shorter version of one, saying the same thing. So what keeps us from doing that? Rejection. Okay, rejection. They may ask a question that we don't have the answer to. You know what? That's a big one. Bigger than we realize. I mean, rejection, we don't live in a culture that, you know the worst they can do is make fun of us and call us church lady, church man, whatever, you know, we don't get, it. or they maybe say worse, but we're not, there's no fear of life. So rejection and sometimes we are scared to death thinking what if I can't answer. And that's a great question. <coughs> Phyllis, No
1: Difference between then and now when I was first saved, a young adult, I, I, I could almost bet that the reason that I was afraid at any time of sharing my faith was a anybody said anything bad about my lord i was going to be in a fighting mode mm-hmm. angry you know that they would even slander this person who just delivered me out of hell and you know so i was ready and loaded for bear and i didn't understand that there was balance
0: so you had two gospel guns loaded yeah yes yeah, so one to share the gospel the other to shoot the center with all right <laughs> all right what else
1: well, it's not like a comfort thing. Okay, you know, it's breaking out of your
0: shell. Absolutely. It's not natural, right? But here's here's the reality. The reason I think in part we've made it not natural is because we've made it into a system. We've made it into I have to have these answers, these things to communicate, say it this way, and then bum 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 end of the end of the day. But yes, it is very natural for men to talk about sports, it's very natural for Older people to talk about the weather. It's very natural for women to talk about cooking, shopping, whatever. you know. And I, I realize that's like totally stereotype stuff. Okay, but that's just the reality of there's many things that we naturally talk about, but somehow this is not a natural one. And, and again, this is going to flow into why one of these barriers is true. I mean, one of the key barriers I think we're going to look at tonight is the biggest barrier for all of us. And I, I don't think that the biggest barrier for all of us is fear. I really don't, yeah, and I, I'll try to explain why. Any other any other reasons? I'm just like scanning a crowd. Steph, something else? Your life is like it's under
1: a microscope constantly from that point on. Okay. So if you do something that does that's not right because you fail, yeah, they're gonna jump right on top of you too.
0: Yeah, that's a great point. I hadn't thought of it because we it's easier to be a secret agent Christian. Thank you very much thank you. I'll explain to them what this blue folder is all about. Ladies, we need your help. This is just like commercial break. I'm very sorry about this. Speaking of ministries, March 21st and 22nd, we have the Living Last Supper. We're trying to get ladies that are able to make desserts for that, for the guests that are coming. So this is just coming around with the classroom. Sorry about that. So, men, just buy <laughs> creams or something, whatever you can do. Alright. But what we're talking about, I have no idea. I have no idea where I was just at. Oh, what did you just say? Yes, and see, we it, sometimes at work we want to kind of feel things out, or we realize we saw somebody else when they did play their cards of where they are as a Christian or that they are a Christian. It didn't go well, you know, and we also don't like the scrutiny. Then uh, from that point forward, they're watching everything and they're just looking for We messed up. You know, just like a family member. Family members are looking for, that are unsaved, they're looking for us to mess up so that that will justify them saying, say, I don't need this church thing, I don't need this God thing because I got more free time than you and I got more money than you because I don't go to church on the weekends and I don't have to give. So why do I want to be like you when you're no different than me? All right, so these are some of the issues. But look on page 5.1 and if you notice the three bullet points under overview the issue, I just pick out three... I guess guess they're verbs. One of them is not exactly a verb, but it says identify the barriers, examine the barriers, and then really identify strategies for overcoming the barriers, all right? So yes, we've said barriers that if you read the article uh, that we're going to look at tonight briefly what's holding you back, he looked at fear of failure, fear of rejection, fear of contamination, which we didn't talk about, but honestly was a big part of our culture in the 50s, 60s, and 70s was... You don't hang with those people out there. Um, you got all these rules about how you live and what you do and what you don't do, and you don't drink, cuss, smoke, or chew or hang around with those that do. You know, all that kind of silly stuff. And that then became our mantra that kept us from doing what we needed to do, with fear of contamination, lack of skill, or not seeing the need. So we want to identify the barriers, and then <coughs> next week, one of the neat things that will be in your in your lesson next week is identifying your sharing style, which and when we get into it, you're going to notice the scriptures and everything are a little bit backward, but it's going to allow us to go through, and I'm forgetting what the name of this is called, You've Got Style Evangelism Inventory. Now that I said that, I just lost it. you all going to look in that section, but I'll start filling that out tonight. That sounds neat. But the whole point is, what's neat in this room is, here's the common denominator. If we are all a Christian, the common denominator is we are all one family in Christ. We are one but 1 Corinthians 12 other passages make it very clear God has made us very different some of us are the finger some of us are the toe some of us are the eye some of us are the ear we are part of the body of Christ but we're all very very different so learning at how do I share the gospel based on how God has made me that's what we're going to look at next week first we're trying to deal with the difficulties. Now, Sound bites. I just asked you when you looked at that on the fourth one down. Just curious, your thoughts as you read that fourth one. It says, "Not making time to build relationships with non-Christians so as to lead them to Christ shows a lack of love and compassion for them." Agree, disagree, or just plain ouch? Uh, thoughts on that one? No,
1: agree.
0: Okay, agree. Because yeah, it takes it's like a long-term thing. Yeah, you know, if I do, if I like. You know, the old way, if I'm
2: just going to hand somebody a tract at the mall or something, mm-hmm. that doesn't require much to put on my part. So, like, real quick, all right, cross my fingers, see you later. Yeah. But if I take the time to build a relationship with somebody at work or a neighbor, I see them every day. So, you know, you got to be on your spiritual game a little bit, and you don't want to, you know, you don't want to pressure
0: them, but you also want to make sure that you have your testimony in order. So, it's a long-term thing, and you got to make room in your life for them. Right. So... And, and that's really the point I'm trying to get at is, is what they said and it, it is an ouch statement if we really think through the statement not making time to build relationships not just to do what you're saying Phil and that is it is easy and I've said, you've heard me say this doofy illustration enough times the last few weeks It was it's easy to some degree to just go door to door and chuck stuff in the door and walk away and hope the gospel grenade blows up and does something good you know But the reality is, that's not what Jesus did. That's not what Jesus and the early church showed us. It takes time. It's messy. It's, this girl may have opened up for 45 minutes, but what if this turns into hours of, uh uh-huh, 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 on the phone? It could turn into that. Uh, Somebody becomes very needy, very dependent upon you because maybe they don't have a husband who is caring for them, and now she's got somebody that cares enough to listen that means taking that time to show compassion compassion and love takes time it takes a willingness to be as we saw in a previous lesson a good listener Uh, we are we are so gripped with what do i say when the bigger thing sometimes is are we a good listener are we going with that now here's what it said about Todd this is like wow this is too true to home here's what Todd says in the case study he says well there's another pound of guilt to hang to add to my bag Todd Todd thought as he got into his car to leave church another sermon on how I need to be sharing my faith at every opportunity it's not that Todd doesn't agree with the sermon because he does honestly he's just scared he desperately wants to share his faith with his friends but every time he has an opportunity to share with them he freezes up he's afraid of straining his friendships or even worse of being laughed at and labeled as a fundamentalist or fanatic. Besides, he's not even sure what he should say and he doesn't want to mess up. Another Christian he respects recently told him that his concerns show his lack of faith and they needed to repent and face his fears. Probably an extrovert said that to him, to Todd, all right? an extrovert who's just a natural gabby person with everybody else all right of course that didn't help the situation todd has a deep desire to share his faith but just doesn't know how to overcome his fears all right now i won't say give me answers but that that little snippet basically took all five of the things that the article is going to talk about and that is fear of rejection failure all those things how many of you know who mark dever is ever heard of mark dever he's written some books he's a He's a, he has written a number of books. He's a pastor of capital Baptist or capital City, Capitol Baptist Church in Washington, DC, uh, well-known pastor, well-known speaker. His personality, he admits it is he is an out there person. He's a very, he's a brilliant guy, He's an excellent preacher, but he's a very um, very much an extrovert. So he admits trying to teach somebody in his church how to share the gospel. If somebody's personality is different, it's a challenge because it's natural for him to just strike up a conversation with people but that is a very small slice of people in this room that's a very small slice of people than most churches we're just not necessarily like that so here's the question here's the issue i'm gonna go back i'm gonna flip through all these go bang 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 oops too far I'll get there. here's the question what is the central question or issue before us? What is overcoming our barriers about? All right, my simple answer, for better, for worse, and I underlined it for myself. And that is we're saying overcoming barriers, but let's, let's speak down to street talk and where I am and where I live. And it is how can I beat the excuses, and I probably should have put it in a personal mind instead of us, but for we. How can we beat the excuses that keep us from sharing our faith? And that's why I underlined it, put it in bold, excuses, because we can call them barriers, and we can say overcoming the barriers, and that sounds a little more a little more better. Wow, that's a really bad sentence. It sounds better, betterer, all right? Um, but the bottom line is they are excuses that have been there for so long that we need to beat. The question is, what do we do to beat them? Phyllis?
1: We need to identify the source of our fear or community, and that's the
0: enemy yeah. of our soul. And it can be. It can be. Some of it, it is our personality. Some, you know, He will use every weakness as well as our strengths. Sometimes we don't guard our strengths because we think they are strengths. They're not weaknesses. But sometimes our strengths can be our Achilles heel. Sometimes somebody's a really outgoing person, and so they don't share their faith well because they don't know how to, can I put it bluntly, they don't know how to shut up sometimes. And they need to listen to that person. Um, So we may think, well, I'm not good at speaking. But maybe because we're good at listening, that would endear us to somebody. Now, somebody else, they're going to be able to connect with somebody because they can talk better. All right. Each of us, God, are going to use in different ways. But we all have excuses. We all have reasons why we don't. The question is, how do we overcome them and what are we going to do? Here's our scriptures for tonight. Three of them we're going to walk through. One of them, uh, we've hit a couple of different times in relation to Paul, but we're going to come at it from a different angle. Acts chapter 4, and again, because our time is always shorter than I would like it to be, although maybe not as short as you would like it to be, um, because halfway through you're like, whoa, All right, trying to get going. Acts chapter 4 is, is a neat text because this passage we looked at, Peter and John, Um, They weren't educated guys, so they weren't out there able to connect with the educated people. They were just regular guys, but that statement that we've heard in sermons and quoted so many times before, these people noticed something about Peter and John. What did they notice about them?
1: They had been with Jesus. Okay.
0: They had been with Jesus. There was something about how they lived, breathed, acted, responded, communicated, all that stuff, it wasn't their education. They hadn't set at the feet of Gamaliel. Saul did, soon to become Paul. These guys were just fishermen They were probably pretty coarse, probably had strong hands, big hands, but these guys had been with Jesus. So that's something interesting. And then it goes on to say they were threatened not to speak in the name of Jesus. And honestly, there's a verse in here that when I went to China was a key verse. Um, when we were thinking about that they... Do they do what the government says or not do what the government says? Well, they had to make a choice and they were threatened. They go back to the people that were part of that early church and that early church prays. And here's what they prayed. Look, if you would, in verse uh, 23. It says, On their release, Peter and John went back to their own people and reported all that the chief priests and elders had said to them, which basically threatened them. Don't teach this, don't preach this, don't share this gospel. It's not right. When they heard this, they raised their voices together in prayer to God. Sovereign Lord, they said, you made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them. You spoke by the Holy Spirit through the mouth of your servant, our father David. Why do the nations rage and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth take their stand, and the rulers gather together against the Lord and against his anointed one. Indeed, Herod and Pontius Pilate met together with the Gentiles and the people of Israel in the city to conspire against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed. They did what your power and will had decided beforehand should happen. Now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. I'm just going to stop right there. Now, here's the questions. Here's the question that I drew to your attention, and I'm going to try to help us connect some dots in these scriptures. Like I say, I scribble on mine, but I noticed some things that came out in that prayer when they asked the question. Over on page 5.3, the question we asked was, what stands out to you from the prayer of these early early Christians? They said some very specific things in this prayer, and then at the end of the prayer, here is the request. Grant us boldness to keep communicating this gospel. But what, what in the context of that prayer that they that they say that was very important, that built into that? Grant us boldness. What do you see? Just random things. What what do you see in those verses there? Dependence. Okay. They were dependent upon the Lord. All right. What else? They stated what He had done, like His powerfulness He made heaven and earth. Yeah. They stated, "This is what You've done." Okay, and this is going to be an important thing. I'm going to try to show you the connection there. What else did they say? What else did they, what do you observe from what they pray? It's a very powerful prayer.
1: They admitted that everything was already decided.
0: Okay, okay, so do you think that they had a pretty strong view of the sovereignty of God? Like God controls everything, and what would kind of clue you in on that in that prayer?
1: Well, they cited they
0: cited the, the proof of that in the past. Okay, and and how did they start their prayer? Sovereign Okay, Sovereign Lord. All right, and as if that wasn't enough, they went on to say, "Here's what," and this is where I would draw the lines to connect the dots. This is what I did my notes. The word Sovereign Lord, I circled that, and then it says. Go down to the, ne- the quoting of Psalm chapter 2 there, where it says, why do the nations rage? I put a I put a number one next to sovereign Lord, I circled that. I put a number two next to the peoples and the nations rage, because Psalm 2 is saying the nations are going to try to rebel against your anointed one, pointing to Christ, and what does it say in Psalm 2? God's going to be in heaven, God's going to laugh, because it, when you get to Isaiah, you're going to find out the nations are a drop in the bucket. They're not going to be able to do anything with God. So the second thing is, he's saying the peoples. Now, as if that wasn't enough in their prayers, Sovereign Lord, here's what you said to your, your servant David. Now they've taken up to where they live today. They're saying, indeed, Herod and Pontius Pilate, these are two power brokers of their day. This is like, you know, the... The president and the vice president. Alright, let's just say these two guys are the power brokers of their nation in this place and this time. Together with who? With the Gentiles and the people of Israel. So sovereign Lord, here's what they're trying to do. Here's what they have done. They conspired against your holy servant Jesus whom you anointed. They did, verse 28, what your power and will had decided beforehand should happen. So, Herod, Pontius Pilate, they look pretty powerful. The nations try to act pretty powerful. Um, they do all these things, but at the end of the day, they only did what you had planned to be done. So, yes, they believed, and I, I would just throw a few things at you from these verses. They believe strongly in the sovereignty of God. And I would say, uh, I think I can confidently say for all of us in the room here tonight, we do as well. All right? We have no doubt that God is in control of everything. And, and we can, here's the honest truth. We can say that quickly, but rewind the tape a few years to 9-11. All right? Do we still believe in the sovereignty of God when there are four planes that could have been stopped and lives, 3,000 plus lives, could have been saved if God stopped those? Do we still believe in the sovereignty of God? And I hope your answer still is yes. That God's sovereign plan includes all things, even the wicked plans of man to accomplish his purpose, because that's exactly what he just said right there, or they prayed right there. These wicked people did this, but that was your plan to accomplish your purpose. Phyllis?
1: Just like Joseph said to his brothers, that they meant what they did to him for evil, but God meant it for good, and it ended up being good. And then, he's got the whole picture. Right. We don't. Right. We have little puzzle pieces.
0: Yeah. So, here's what they had to recognize as it relates to us sharing our faith. Alright? They're they're praying, help us to be bold. Well, if they believe strongly in the sovereignty of God, then what they were saying, essentially, is we're leaving the outcome of life's events to you, Lord. Okay? We're not trying to manufacture cold call sharing the gospel. Alright? Now, there's nothing inherently wrong with that. But like we illustrated starting here tonight and that is God's in control of the people he's put in your life for reasons for gospel purposes because he's sovereign the question is what are we doing with those opportunities that he's already put there because he's in control he knows that you've got a lousy co-worker he knows you've got a ridiculous boss he knows that you've got a neighbor that is just the bane of your existence he knows these things And he doesn't say, you know, pray in precatory prayers that God will bring down fire like, you know, James and John wanted. He'd say, I put you there for a reason. I'm sovereignly in control of it. And even though you've got these miserable things going on, what are you going to do with it? Because that is part of my open door for you. And that's what they had to believe. God, we have this mess. they threatened us. So you know what? We're just kind of moving somewhere else. You know, we're going to put the, the, sorry, put up the big fence. I say, every time I say this, I feel bad because... If you'd have seen their house after the tornado that buzzed through, wow, it was nuts. All right, so they got they got a good fence out of the deal. It had nothing to do with cruddy neighbors because they had a great relationship like with their it. neighbors. They had great neighbors, and the neighbors behind them. Well, that's the road, so it yeah. didn't matter. Mm-hmm. All right, but we don't like that. So they had to leave the outcome of life's events to the Lord. That's why they were saying, "Help us to be bold because." Even though they're doing these things and they're threatening us now, help us to continue to do what you want us to do, regardless of these barriers. But they also saw, and I would just put this, and this is a basic thought from these from what they pray. they saw that their need was for boldness and witness. We need to see that God has put us where he has for a specific reason, and he wants us to take advantage of it. Now, that doesn't mean we have to tomorrow go running into work and say, you know what, I've been feeling guilty about this for forever. And I I, I used to do this. I can still do this naturally. And that is, think that I just feel guilty because I'm not that person handing out a track to every grocery store lady and every person going through this aisle and that lane or whatever. I can feel guilty about that. And then do it a couple times and be like, okay, now I don't feel so guilty. Now I feel guilty again. That's not how God wants it to be. And if you read the article near the end of it, I think he says something to that effect. Instead, we take their prayer and say, All right, God, you've put me where you've put me, for better or for worse, at least in my mind, for better or for worse, because sometimes I don't like it, we don't like it. But if he's put us there, are we willing to pray for opportunities for the Word, a door for the Word, even if it means having to interact with people that right now are frustrating to me? Because we talked about that a few weeks back. The, the messy, frustrating, irritating people in our life, we tend to want to run from them. God has put them there, put us with them. And what are we going to do about it? So that's what they prayed. Sovereign God, we need your help even though these threats are going on. Ephesians chapter 6. Uh, we'll only just hit this quickly, but here's what Paul had prayed as we've seen before unusual prayer after he is writing to a church while he's in prison and he has asked them to pray for him that he would pray boldly now the two questions I I gave you the option of either question the second question or the third question the second question is if you were to ask people to pray that you would declare the gospel fearlessly what specific concerns or fears would you ask them to pray about and that's probably the most interesting question all right for each of us dealing with boldness is a different issue and i'm just curious and i don't know if i have lost you at this point or if you're like i didn't do the homework so i don't want to act like i'm just shooting from the hip here but all of us i think would would view the response of boldness different not all of us maybe there'll be some commonalities but what are some issues related to you when it comes to sharing your faith and boldness Maybe that's not a good way to put it. What would be the things that people would wrestle with, with boldness?
2: How to bring it up in conversation. Okay,
0: yeah. Because we, we we wrestle with it, we think that, and that's probably the biggest one that I wanted to just surface. And that is, we often think that we've got to find some way to just go, wham, I'm a Christian, here it is. And we don't know how to do that. So since we don't know how to do that, we just don't do it. We, we don't address the issue of their, their faith. Well, here's what Paul prayed. And I think this is the part, I just wanted to hit this and move on because I want to get to the article tonight and, and hit some key things. Paul says, Pray that I will be bold, verse 19, Pray also for me that whenever I open my mouth, words may be given to me so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel for which I'm an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may declare it fearlessly as I should. Now, Fearlessly, fearlessly, or in some translations, boldly, boldly. Again, we all scratch our heads going, how did Paul say, I need you to pray this for me? Because he was like us. He needed God's help to do that. But the issue is that the takeaway for me wasn't the words, fearlessly, fearlessly. It was really the last three words of these verses. Look what he says. To do this as I should. All right? In other words, at the end of the day, the reason he was asking prayer for this was because it is a given thing that I should be sharing this regularly and, and fearlessly. And again, we, we, we kind of put that under the umbrella of just simply emotion. All right? I, I'm fearing people, so I'm scared to death. Sometimes it's not the scared to death kind of fear. Sometimes it's just the... I'm going to make a fool out of myself kind of fear or a lot of different things. Well, how will they react to me sort of deal. But Paul says we need prayer. It isn't an option to speak boldly. It's something I must do even though it's not natural. Now, let's go one more. 2 Timothy chapter 1. 2 Timothy chapter 1. Obviously, something about Timothy would resonate more with us than Paul. Um, Timothy was from what we see if we read between the lines in 1 Timothy and 2 Timothy the two letters that Paul wrote to him obviously he was a young man relatively speaking but he was also personality wise Paul would be what we would call a type A personality driven, driven, driven Acts 15 when he and uh, he and Barnabas have a falling out it's kind of like well I'm getting Silas, I'm moving on good luck with that John Mark thing, I'm moving on. So there was a type A personality, and again, we're taking 21st century and throwing that back onto his life, but that's how we think. Whereas Timothy was probably more like a Barnabas, come alongside, matter of fact, Timothy might even been the kind of guy that needed somebody to come alongside him, Uh, because there were times when he says in 1 Timothy chapter 4, let no man despise your youth. Don't let them look down on your youth, because obviously that was happening by the church. But now you get to 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 6, and this is where, or verse 7, I should say, is where often we've clung to this verse if we've struggled with any kind of fear factors in our life. He says, For God did not give us a spirit of timidity, but a spirit of power, of love, and of self-discipline. So Paul is writing to Timothy to say, in the midst of it, if you have the struggle with being fearful or timid, obviously that's not sourced in God, okay? Because God didn't give this to you. God gives you something different. But here's the question that it asked, and, and here's what we didn't take time to read because we don't have time. Paul rehearses in verses 8 through uh, 12 there about the gospel. He, reversed, he rehearses with Timothy about how Timothy received this message, about what God has been doing in and through him, made... Paul a herald and an apostle and a teacher of the gospel the question that we posed here is and I'm just throwing it out to you but we'll talk through it why do you think as Paul is talking about not being timid being bold but also saying that the spirit from God is a spirit of love power and sound mind or disciplined life why do you think Paul reminds Timothy about the gospel and the grace of God why doesn't he say, Timothy, you know that God is sovereign, God's in control, God is powerful, God is omnipotent, he could use a lot of things like that, so for crying out loud, Timothy, buck up, be a man, share the gospel, alright? Why did he instead use the gospel, the grace of God, as a motivation for Timothy in regard to sharing his faith, being bold with his faith?
1: that's the path. Paul was on Paul's in prison he's thinking he's not going to get out he's going to die he's got to pass the baton on to someone and he needs that someone to continue on the same path that he was on okay
0: he wants Timothy to keep going Timothy has to be because you're right this letter is going to be Paul's last letter and one of the last things he's going to tell Timothy in chapter 4 is whatever you do Timothy you're standing between me and you and God and you better preach the word whether you feel like it or not you've got to do it because the baton's coming to you But why, as he starts this letter, does he talk about the gospel and the grace of God? Why why can that be... Let's put it this way. When it comes to sharing our faith, why can that be a motivation to us? Or how can that be a motivation to us as we share our faith? Yeah.
1: The fact that God reached to us where we were at and saved us... We are so deeply grateful for that, and there is a part of us that wants other people to to have what we have. You know, they, we want them we want them to benefit from that same grace.
0: Okay. Let me let me let me take what she's saying and spin it off here. The longer you're a Christian do you feel more confident in yourself as a Christian or sometimes less confident? And I say in yourself, if you notice. I didn't say in God, I said in yourself. And you're like, wait, I don't get that question. Well, it's different in different situations. Here's what I'm getting at. The longer you're a Christian, do you notice more of your weaknesses or more of your strengths?
2: Weaknesses.
0: Because what God's Word is doing over and over is revealing to you and to me what God already knows. I mean, here's the amazing thing about God's love. Here is what was, for whatever reason, an eye-opener a couple years ago in China, just thinking this through. And it kept coming back to me and coming back to me and coming back to me circumstances of life can be what they are in our lives and can take us through this that and the other thing and can be overwhelming beat us down beat us up whatever the case may be but it will also do this it will show us what is in our heart and in our life that god has always seen yet he still loves us and the the neat thing is god continues to show us what's in our lives through the word through trials through difficulties through whatever it may be and the question is He still loves, I mean the reality is he still loves us. He always will love us. But my point in saying that is Paul is rehearsing the gospel for a guy, Timothy, who is feeling his weaknesses. And Paul is saying, Well, remember, it's the grace of God that enables us to overcome those weaknesses. It's not our strengths that God is capitalizing on. In a sense, because as sinners, we have no strengths. It is the grace of God, Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15, 10. It's the grace of God that I am what I am. And he said, even though I worked hard, it wasn't because I was the hardest working dude out there. I worked hard, but then that verse ends with, but it was the grace of God that did this through me. And my point is this. When we look at these verses and look at ourselves, yes, sharing our faith, one of the barriers is our own inherent weaknesses. So Paul playing into timothy's inherent weakness of being a timid guy and struggling with this he rehearses for him the grace of god because it's the grace of god that is there to help us overcome our weaknesses because first corinthians chapter one it isn't the mighty the powerful the rich the noble it's the weak the despised it's the rejected it's you know here's the rough way to say it. it's the scum of the earth that's who we are but now we're in god's family and, and our weaknesses can be, as Paul had to come to grips with in 2 Corinthians 12, one of the best platforms for the grace of God. God said no when Paul prayed three times and he says, my grace is going to be sufficient through your weakness. So... Paul is rehearsing God's grace with Timothy because he wants Timothy to see very clearly that it's God's grace that enables us to overcome our inherent weaknesses. But also, I would just say this, a second thought connected with this and to answer this question, that the grace of God being rehearsed here also moves us to order our life with real love. And the reason I say order our life with real love is because what he said in verse 7. God has given us a spirit of power, of love, and self-discipline. When we are haphazard with life, our default mode and haphazard is me. That's our default mode. All right? When life is haphazard, when we don't plan to think through, ponder how, work through how we might do what God wants me to do, our default mode is me. So Paul is saying to Timothy as he's rehearsing the grace of God, it ought to move us to be like what verse 7 says. Have a life that is self-disciplined, rooted in God's power, but lives out in love. It takes forethought to truly love people. That doesn't mean that in a given moment we wouldn't respond in love. Obviously we can. But if life goes through the default mode in the busyness of life, it's very easy to go back to... What comes natural, what comes normal for us. All right? Now, just pausing that. We've been flying through stuff, trying to get through things as quickly as I could. Any questions on these scriptures or anything we've talked or anything I might have
3: said so far that wasn't clear? Yeah. Dana. I just to upon something. Yeah. Timothy was a person, the type of a personality by some of his other writings that would thought that you should find God through internal reflectiveness. Mm hmm. Uh, and it was one of those personal journeys that you need, that every individual needed to take. Mm-hmm. If, which is kind of us, we, you know, I don't want to tell you about it because I'm embarrassed, but I'll just talk to me about it. But um, what was needed was that Timothy, <coughs> since he was knowledgeable, that he not take all his knowledge, and bring it into himself and go sit on the top of a mountain, you know, and seek wisdom, mm-hmm. but rather that he take all this knowledge and give it to others mm-hmm. so that the word would continue. Because if Timothy did the, the first part, mm-hmm. where he went up to the top of the mountain, you know, and that's the end of the story. Right, right. Yeah, and with
0: Timothy, Timothy obviously, if you look at Philippians chapter 2, Timothy obviously was somebody that Paul saw in him a guy who was committed to the gospel, to reaching people, to sharing his faith. But Timothy, like all of us, had barriers. Even Paul had barriers. That's why he prayed the things that he did in Ephesians 6 and Colossians 4. Timothy's barrier was his timid side. Timothy's barrier was perhaps his age. Timothy's barrier was some of these things. But instead of saying well figured out and here's this and there's practical idea he rooted what he said to Timothy in the grace of God and said Timothy remember yeah you got weaknesses and what's going to happen on this journey your pilgrimage as a Christian God's going to show you more weaknesses more and and when you thought that here's what I thought okay here's a little punk kid sitting in church looking at the older people I'm not kidding this is like Wednesday night prayer meeting going how in the world do these old guys pray this long you know it's like and they would pray all over the place, and I'd be like, "That is a long prayer," which probably was all five minutes, but it seemed like a long prayer. And thinking that when you get to a certain age as a Christian, that you're just kind of coasting because it's you know it's the teenagers, it's the youngsters, it's the college age; they're just living the wild stuff. And older people, once they get into this Christian mode, they're nailing, it, and they're, it's done. Um, and and they're and I can see by a couple smirks on some faces, which I would be smirking as well, going, "It ain't so." Because there's different stages of life, there's different challenges of life, there's different realities in life. One of those realities is, I'm getting older, you're getting older, and we're starting to feel that age, which even that plays into our weaknesses, and the question is, will I let that control me, or I will I let the Spirit of God and the grace of God control me? All right. So let's jump into this article. What's holding you back? All right? I'm not asking for a testimony. He gave five things. We're going to buzz through a couple of them incredibly fast for sake of time and then camp out really on two of them. Obviously, fear of failure is what we've already alluded to. And and part of what he said there in 5.5, if you're there uh, on the right column where it says fear of failure, part of what he hit at was he hit at those who are trained in evangelism because he was trained in evangelism and he said exactly that. I put on myself the responsibility of saving every person I saw. That's not to say that learning a system makes that happen, but sometimes that's the mindset that comes out of it. I've learned the system. Now it's up to me. I go and do it. Okay? Again, the neat thing is when we do it differently, like how God allowed this opportunity for Jamie last week and said, all right, there may be nobody that shows up, but I'm going to at least step into this little world over here. If somebody shows up, great. If they don't, then Cora and I are going to hang out at the library and find some good books, and then we go home and try it again. But God opened that door. And it wasn't because she had come away with a six week or five weeks of, here's the way to do it when you see somebody. Just simply putting ourselves in there. When we have a fear of failure, sometimes it's because we have expectations of ourselves in that role that are not realistic or biblical. All right? That's the first one. I want to just buzz past that. Second one, fear of rejection. Yes, people are going to think we're strange ducks, fanatics, or something odd. But, honestly, let's just be blunt. I'm being blunt in the sense that we really have it pretty easy in America. Compared to most nations in this world, people that become Christians in most nations in this world face genuine persecution face genuine difficulties face genuine dangers from their family from whatever a lot of things so fear of rejection at worst is is pretty much uh let's just take that one off the list for us as americans and let's just go uh get over it we got to get over it fear of contamination i'll skip through that quickly i have said this before so i'll just reiterate this so you can put this in your notes or just put it in your head when jesus prayed in john 17 There in the middle of that paragraph, when he said, I don't pray that you take them out of the world, but you keep them from the evil one. The best way I've remembered this, and I don't remember who I heard this from, but what he was praying for was not isolation, but insulation. There's a big difference. He wasn't praying that we would be isolated from this world, praying that we would be insulated from the evil one. And that is... In newer buildings, unlike China, China has cinder block walls with absolutely zero insulation. So when you get in the dead of winter, I mean, that cold just radiates off those walls because there's no insulation to keep the cold, the heat out. Same thing that Jesus is praying for them and for us. Not that we would be isolated, but as we are with people, God would protect us that we are not contaminated because of our relationship with him. Here's where number four and number five. Lack of skill and not seeing the need. We may say, all right, and we talked about this. This was alluded to at the beginning. Somebody may ask me a question to which I don't know the answer. How will I respond? I won't know what to say. That's going to happen. Honestly, I don't have a problem with that. I had to when I was a pastor back a number of years ago in Maryland. We would have... uh, an ABF class that I was teaching along with preaching and such and I remember questions would be asked in a class and I would say, I had to learn to go, I don't know. Can I get back with you on that? And I remember teaching some Chinese pastors in uh in the Philippines. This is a couple years back. And we were talking about some issues and they asked a question and I said, one of the best things you can learn to do in ministry is admitting sometimes you don't know. Rather than shooting from the hip giving your best shot and you walk away giving like semi-heresy to somebody. It would be better off not giving an answer you're not sure about than to just say, I don't know. So that's okay. There's some people won't like that because they'll expect you're going to be like a cult and that is you've got a response for everything that they've got. You've got a counter response. Well, honestly, that might be refreshing. That might be unusually uh, disarming to them because they're used to cults who do have an answer for everything. So I would say, let's throw that one out the window. But here's where I just camp out, and this is probably almost about where we're going to end with, two things that were very convicting to me from this article. In the middle of number four, lack of skill, on page 5.7, left column. If you go 5.7, left column, you go down to the third paragraph that says, if we spend time with Jesus, all right? Remember Acts 4? They noticed that these guys had been with Jesus. All right? Here's what it says three sentences down in that paragraph. Conversely, it's almost impossible to build bridges to people if we're not walking with the Lord. If we're not spending time with God, we won't have a growing love for Him, and as a result, we won't have a love for people. Um Honestly, if you don't remember anything from me babbling tonight, don't forget that. That really, more than anything else, is the heart of where we are blowing it. Not because we don't have enough skills or not have enough right answers. The reason we don't look on people with love and with concern is completely tied to our relationship with God. It is not disconnected. It is the heart of it. It is the heart and soul of it. And here's the dangerous, scary thing for me as it relates to me and Pastor Ken. Number five says not seeing the need. And if you read the rest of this article, it gave an illustration. It's kind of like, whoa, dude, this is bad news. Because he said there was a pastor of a thousand-plus member church that told me recently, he said, Dan, this church is in trouble now because none of my staff or elders, including myself, have a burden for evangelism. You know how easy that is to happen at Community Bible Church and any other church just gets bigger and bigger and bigger. We got so many things going on that we're doing all these things and we're managing all these different ministries and making all these things happen that suddenly unperceptibly sometimes we can suddenly find ourselves being like a bunch of managers, vice presidents, presidents, CEOs making the business move. And and the danger is that means both Ken and I have to guard and make sure that what I just read there is if we're not spending time with God, we won't have a growing love for Him, and as a result, won't have a love for people. Um, yes, we may have fear of rejection, fear of condemnation, <coughs> lack of skill. We all lack skill. None of us, no matter how many evangelism courses we take, will be skilled enough to make somebody become a believer. I think we've already nailed that coffin, and we put it in the six foot down. All right, We don't do it. It is God that does it. So that being said, if, if it's going to change, if, if, if we are going to be discovering how to share our faith, which is what this class is about, it's going to be only as... We're only going to make as much progress as we are making in our relationship with God. And that doesn't mean then... Um, and I mentioned this, and somebody said this afterwards on Sunday when I said, that doesn't mean that if you're spending four hours watching TV and you need to break the TV habit, you spend four hours reading your Bible. Now, it's not a bad idea, but the assumption is that somehow doing tons more makes me better. All right? Our problem, half the time, is not knowledge. Our problem is taking what we already know and using it in simple little ways. Cool. And and so I, I would say tonight, if I could drive home anything, it was that paragraph there that if I would say, highlight it, circle it, do whatever you need to do, and then go home and say, God, help me to focus on that. Because I could memorize a lot of stuff and know how to overcome it, and I could do the little cool survey thing next week on identifying your sharing style and go, oh, that's me. So that's what i got to do, and this is how practically I can do it. We're going to try to pr- come up with practical ideas. But if that's all we do, and we don't have a relationship with God, that will fizzle out. All right? It will fizzle out. All right. Okay. Okay. Oh. I have the homework, and I have no idea. I was running around with so many different people tonight with so many different things that the copy that I needed to make copies of is sitting in some room. So, yes, I will email it to you, and I'm sorry about that. There was just, as you can see from the auditorium and many other things, there's a lot of things going on right now. And uh, Lord willing, we have the men's gig Saturday and baptism dinner Sunday and all kinds of neat things going on in the month of March. But I hope you will think in terms of March 21st and 22nd, great opportunity to bring a friend, to see uh, a very dramatic presentation of what it potentially might have been like for Jesus at that last supper before he was betrayed. Took our sacrifice for us. Let's pray and we'll be dismissed. Father, thank you for the time you've given us together tonight. We come to you not because somehow we have pulled ourselves up by our bootstraps and we are better people and now we can. We come to you because we finally had to recognize that we were filthy, rotten sinners that were not just rejected by you, but we were your enemy and we viewed you as our enemy. And we thank you, Lord, that you you through christ have broken down that that enmity and now made it possible for us to not just relate to you but to love you and be loved by you and father as you are doing that in our lives i pray that you continue to do that through our lives uh, as we considered what we saw tonight that there are barriers and satan wants to erect as many barriers as possible but yet don't let us allow that barrier to be us help us we pray to love you to seek you to thirst for you, to long for you, so that in that love for you, your love shines through us toward others. We pray.